I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters, where you will find tools to revitalize you and your relationships, whether at work or in your personal life. Well, a little bit about me I'm an education consultant specializing in emotional intelligence, and I use creative approaches that empower people with proven processes. I'm known for my high energy passion and compassion for those in need of help. And I like to shine a spotlight on what we can do. I'm here to bring positivity, confidence and strength every day, everywhere. My mantra in life has been, let's give it a red hot shot. Another episode of Thriving Matters and I've got to tell you, in a way, I'm a little bit exhausted just by looking at Ben Newsom's CV and the amazing amount of things that he's been able to do in his life and work. Now, Ben Newsom is our guest this episode of Thriving Matters podcast. Now, if there's ever a gal or a guy who is, you know, a pretty ordinary bloke, you know, you could walk past him in the street, holy dooly, when you get to know him, he does the most extraordinary things and he has this great love of blowing things up. You'll never guess what his area of expertise is and how far he goes into entrepreneurial um, well-being as well as entrepreneurial education and entrepreneurial business mind. So, I mean, Ben, you've, it's I know you've had a great busy day today because you're just shooting kids off to um into into the astronaut challenge i know you've been busy but so good to have you on this afternoon how are you <laughs> gosh i don't even know how to start but carrie thank you uh, wow you make me blush <laughs> <You're a dear. laughs> uh, we've known each other for quite a while it's so good to ha- hang out and just chat maybe even just people record like how we just bang on to each other <laughs> just away. well this is what you don't know is we've already had a pre-conversation just about oh can I pick your brains on this, this and this? And I've got somebody who needs to be connected. So we've just done all that and then went, mm. it's time for a chat. We need to do this. So. <laughs> uh, thank you very much for having me. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, look, we, you know, first thing I usually do is this is all about how we thrive in life and work. And, you know, it's it's pretty hard some days. Um, mm. There's some months that are pretty hard. There's some years that are pretty hard. But anyway, depending oh, yeah. on what it is. But, you know, we've all got our tips and tricks and we've all learned how to do things that work for us. So, you know, you've got a great smile. How does that get on your face early in the morning? <laughs> well, firstly, a coffee, I believe, is not a bad start. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know but I start off my mornings every day like every other normal person doing their thing. I get out of bed thinking, what can we do next? Ah. That's probably the best way to think of how I start my day. So, right, if I had one thing to do, to achieve today, what's it going to be and how am I going to do it? Um, I mean, yeah, that's fairly methodical, but it, for me, it's like, I'm really excited. I'm sort of one of those people that when I go to work or frankly play on a weekend or whatever, I think, how can I get the best out of today? What, what's it going to be? And, um, you know, choose it. Let's get into it. And um, so off we go. Well, that's pretty positive, isn't it? That sort mm. of very um, sort of a positive attitude towards the day, no matter whether it's pouring with rain or it's bushfire or whatever it is, maybe like an earthquake in Wellington at the moment. But, oh um, gosh. Yeah. Or, I mean, that's the thing. You actually speak with um, uh, people who have been through that. I mean, and there's a certain level of resilience and whatnot, but the, 
people can get through a lot. I know. Mm. We, we're we're pretty amazing as a as a as a race of people. Yeah. <laughs> what we, what we can actually do. Okay, Ben. So you are very well known in the science realm. So would that be that be right? Yeah, a bit of a science education boffin. So um, so if you haven't met, g'day. Uh, I my, like you said at the start in the intro. My job is to blow stuff up, and and Carrie wasn't kidding. <laughs> so my job at physics education and a couple of other hats that I wear is to teach science to audiences in a way that it matters, that makes it connect. And if it means I have to blow something up on stage with a thousand people watching me, that'll be me. Uh, and other days it might be via video conference or we visit schools and libraries and all these sorts of places. And we're pretty well known these days for running programs on behalf of very large brands, mm -hmm. uh, whereby they might need an outreach team to run a particular program, whether it's sport or astronaut type challenge type things. <laughs> Who, who knows, road safety science, all that sort of stuff. We do a lot yeah. of programs, so um, it's a lot of fun. Well, isn't that great to hear an adult say, it, my job is a lot of fun. And, I, you know, what can I do next and how am I going to do it is the way you start the day off. So, listeners, I'd be getting my pad and paper out and just going, can you just use that question of Ben's, what can, can I do next and how am I going to go about doing it? I think that's a great way to start the day when sometimes we actually don't feel like it. But then how did you get, I'm really more interested in, how did you get to be where you are today? I mean, oh if you look at your, you can find Ben on LinkedIn, you can find him on Facebook, Insta, you name it. Um, and you can find his company, physicseducation.com.au, but with a particular spelling. Yes. So, And we'll have that in the notes. It's F-I-double-Z-I-C-S education. So we're just going to blow up the word physics as well. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> but um, how did you actually get here? So is yeah. it, can you give us a bit of a, a potted history of, of that journey? Oh, sure. A short walk down the garden path. Not long, not long. Um, okay, so I trained as a, uh, a scientist, a science. Uh, I was going to do environmental biology and loved it. I was working in bushland areas and uh, it was a distinct, clear lack of understanding of how the environment works and how we impact upon the environment i thought maybe i could be an educator so i trained as a high school teacher yeah. and i thought carefully and clearly about how many kids i might impact over the course of my career and it's significant i mean they're deep impact teachers mm -hmm. do an amazing job gosh they do uh, you know several thousand you work out five ten thousand kids but i wanted to do something a little bit different and i'm not well confined by a box uh so I took up an opportunity to work with CSIRO Education, mm -hmm. uh, work with them as an education officer and outreach out of their uh, their group out of Sydney, uh, visiting schools and whatnot on the road, uh, teaching science in a way that was fun. And I thought, this is great. There's less homework marking, less all the stuff that was involved with traditional <laughs> teaching. Maybe this might be for me. Uh, so a couple of years in, I thought, I really, again, I'm not liking the box. I thought, let's make my own box. <laughs> let's make my own space. So oh. I founded Physics Education, uh, gosh, in 2004, and uh, just started off like many a business mm. persons in business wilderness. You know, where do I start? What do I do? No, I've got nowhere to go. And just did a bit like what we described at the start of this conversation is what's the next thing? What's the most impactful mm. thing could I do today to then help myself along? 
wind it forward. The company's uh, now running out of a couple of cities in Australia and we do global programs and there's all these different places that we run. Yeah. And we've now reached at, at this point in time, uh, 3 million students, uh, which is kind of wild to even know, but we, we genuinely know it's the case just, wow. just by the number of workshops and shows. And we've got people running around a lot of ways and it's still fun because uh, it's always what do we get to design what do we get to do i mean we talked briefly just before about just before we got on the session what i've been doing today we just launched the australian virtual astronaut challenge it's third year this year we have 265 schools right across australia and beyond competing in a stem design challenge and, and by mid-november they will get to pitch at australian space industry and venture capitalists with their ideas so it's sort wow. of that's really cool beginning as a, a, a humble science teacher. Uh, that so is super ago. cool. That's super yeah. cool. That's sort of go, goosebump um, bump area for me. I usually get a bit of a reaction when I just hear something absolutely stunning like that. Uh, apart from the fact that that last challenge that you spoke about, the virtual um, astronaut challenge, um, that the, the, end, the end of that is a pitch to, science, uh, yeah. to space industry. Absolutely. Like, wow. And that that was born out of a conversation with a really good friend of mine. Uh, so Ted, if Ted Tagami, if you're listening, mate, g'day. Um, a really good friend of mine who I met through Clubhouse, uh, a, a, an app uh, for chatting with people. Um, he is the user advisory, advisory education chair for the US National Labs from, for the International Space Station. Quite the mouthful. Anyway, so Ted and I were chatting about what is it like being locked up during lockdown for a student? Hmm. uh it's resource you know you kind of you're stuck with your resources and we thought it was analogous to a spacecraft it you know the tin can that goes around the around the world every 90 minutes there's only so many resources that are in there what yep. what if we create a challenge for students to lift them up and make them think about what's possible with the things that they've got and um now we're, we're wonderful today and i suppose when you were talking about the entrepreneurial thinking and all that type of thing we have resources at our disposal yeah. and it's how we utilize them that matters. That's it. And uh, well, outside the box is really something that we need to think about because we often say that to each other. I don't want the same thing. I don't want to do the same thing again. I've been mm. trying that. It's not working. Haven't got good results. So we need to actually think outside the box and it's become, uh, it's become quite, a, quite a saying. We all know it. It is. And then I suppose, and sadly cliched in a lot of ways, but I mean, for me, it's just, what. Well, how can we do it differently from a different angle? That's yeah. all it is. Yeah. And sometimes we'll fail miserably, but at least you gave it a go. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's starting off um, in an environmental um, interest. Um, yeah. That still continues through throughout your, your career. I know that you have a number of different um, outreaches, um, you know, you, you know, the social impact programs you're really interested in. Would you like to tell us a little bit about that and how you got interested in them? Oh, for sure. So the um, environmental programs, we certainly do some programs. I mean, I remember actually writing um, the visitation, how you visit Minamara Rainforest as a year 12 student <laughs> and get the most out of it. I remember doing that, writing that, how to do that resource and training the rangers there. But uh, social impact is throughout what we do. So uh, I was lucky enough to meet the uh, one of the co-founders of B1G1. Uh, B1G1, so buy one, give one is what that stands for, mm -hmm. whereby you think about the business processes that go through any yeah. business, email through to whatever. What if 
you could have some sort of give back for all those different things that happen within your business. And so in our case, we, uh, for every visit that we go to a school, we give away 10 days of education to an underserved population, which is awesome. And, but there's all these different environmental things as you speak to. I mean, we do a lot of work in environment, world environment days. Uh, I've been certainly, um, I still do a bush care volunteering when I can. Uh, it's, 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 there's a lot of different ways you can give back in different ways, but, uh, I certainly embedded in our business and we certainly do it with the environmental programs that we're involved in. Often there are free sessions that we use money from elsewhere. I mean, I'm thinking about, we've got the, um, certainly next month or two, there's a, uh, out of Bondi, there's a huge oceans festival, the ocean lovers festival coming up. Uh, we convened that last year. We had all these different scientists from right across Australia who are doing a huge impact on working out how do we make our, our marine systems safer, cleaner, better for us, and hopefully more productive from an economic point of view. That's kicking off again, and we're going to be involved in that where we can. And um, yeah, I just love it. It's just there's always different angles you can be involved in. I'm interested. I know you do, you still do demonstrations. Yes. Um, holiday um, presentations, camps, all that yeah. sort of stuff. Tell tell me what it's like when you actually are working face to face with the kids. They're they're there. I mean, does that still do something for you? Apart because there's a lot of work oh, sure. we're all doing these days. Oh, for sure. I mean, um, I mean, you're right. So I cut my teeth for virtual doing virtual programs. Gosh. In 2010, 2009, uh, way before people were really doing it at, at scale. Um, I was lucky enough to do a Churchill Fellowship in that, actually, and, and it was, you know, we can go down that line if you want to chat about it for now. But face-to-face -face matters. It really does. The ability to give something into a kid's hands and help them understand how it works or allow them to explore, fail, put things together and discover yeah. how the thing might work without so much guidance is fun. And so you know, I run an organization, but when I'm teaching, I'm I'm just one of the kids. Yeah, that's right. Really. That's right. Mm. Have you I bet you've got a couple of memories where things didn't go quite to plan and you <laughs> had some really interesting uh response. Oh for <laughs> sure. I mean um uh you, everything from standardly dropping food dye all over yourself. I mean I haven't set things on fire that shouldn't that I haven't done that too much. <laughs> But I mean, certainly um, there is inevitable spills. Actually, the, you actually look at what we do. What is the biggest hazard? And it's actually, strangely, it's not that much different to manual handling. Uh, it's lifting. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So like in terms of the actual experiments themselves, yeah, you'll have a, you know, a rocket that didn't go when it should and all that sort of stuff. And then work out, work out the issue. And in fact, you usually use it as a teachable moment. You yeah. just say to the kids, what did we do wrong? Let's work it out. But yeah, the actual, the dangers for us is frankly sleeping hazards and lifting stuff in and out of vehicles. <laughs> Pretty practical. That happens to all of us, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. It is. I mean, in some ways, I mean, we, okay, with the boffins that go and blow stuff up, but um, we're a logistics company. I mean, we had, yes. we run four and a half thousand, five thousand shows a year and we're driving all over the place and there's stuff. You just go, who are you, who, where are we going to go? what are we meant to be doing there? What have we got to bring to do it? Yeah. Who knows how to use the things? Logistics. <laughs> it literally, it's like, we're, yeah, we're a logistics company. We're like a freight company only for yeah. science. Yes, yeah, you are. That's because there's a whole lot of, everything's got to be there. Everything's got to be right for you to be able to do what you're going to do. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, out of respect to the people who are organising us to come, I mean, like, for example, I was just talking prior to this recording. I mean, this weekend we're going to a couple of agricultural shows. So you've got this one-day event happening at a small country town. Everyone's looking forward to it. So you bring your game. You bring your best yeah. game. You want you make sure you've got your stuff together and you do it right. Yeah. And so the way I see it when we do our programs is that that's how it needs to be engendered throughout our team so that everyone gets there one, you know, they might only have us for one day a year or that may be the one point in time they actually get to do something like this. Yes. So respect that. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to move along and I'm going to ask you about that Churchill fellowship and what, the, ah. what, um, and a lot of our listeners, well, some of you will know about this. I'm, um, I'm sure, but, um, a Churchill Fellowship is highly regarded here um, in Australia and across the world. Um, and I know um, we've talked about this before, but tell us tell us how you got to do it and sure. what it actually meant to you. Well, I want to encourage anyone who has the capacity to do a Churchill Fellowship, if you can, to give it a go. Uh, so a friend of mine um, founded the Dinosaur Museum in the middle of Queensland. Uh, yeah. And I was up there working at how we might be able to be able to help them out from their educational outreach standpoint. Anyway, so David, um, the chairman of Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum, said, I went on a Churchill Fellowship to learn on how do you build a museum because the guy is a farmer and didn't know anything about museums but knew he'd found dinosaur bones, let's make it happen. Put it in front of me and said, I suggest what you're doing might be worth looking at. So it was at a time when uh, virtual excursions, these Zoom things, were really kicking off mm. in Australian schools. Uh, so schools right across the country had these video conference systems. We weren't dealing with Zoom. They were dealing with these $20,000 systems everywhere. But there was no real content coming into the schools. And how good was the content? And so working with a, a co-founder of mine, Karen Player, who then was working for the Australian Museum and her husband, we formed Virtual Excursions Australia and started pulling together all these different museums, zoos, aquariums and whatnot around Australia who were doing these virtual events. And if you took all the badges off our shirts, there's only about 15, 30 of us, we were reaching hundreds of thousands of students and had no idea whether we're doing it well or not. <laughs> we're doing the best we could, right? <laughs> but we didn't really truly know what was best practice. And so to answer the question about Churchill Fellowship, what it's designed to do is to take someone on any area of industry in any capacity, but they're doing great work and hopefully at scale, but they have reached the limits of their capacity within the bounds of Australia in this case. Right. So uh, you know, there's a few different um, pass marks to be able to get a fellowship, of course, like a, like a, a lot of these things. I was lucky enough to receive one. So in 2013, mm. I became a Churchill Fellow. In 2014, I traveled and I went to 16 museums across North America, uh, all over the place and got really to know deeply how how do you run virtual learning programs that really work and then bring that back to Australia. Uh, that information got disseminated throughout uh, Australian museums and whatnot and they implemented it. And I thought, okay, that's great. I've, maybe I've done my job. Let's keep on going. And then this COVID thing happened, which was, a, as yeah. we know, was a meltdown. But for a period of time, the people's most, the most sought after knowledge on the planet was the stuff that we did. Yeah. And, and you ask anyone who runs distance learning programs for any organization, they'll all tell you the same story that everyone wanted and needed them yesterday. It was yes. that crazy. Yeah. I was getting calls at 3am in the morning type thing all over the world. Uh, so we scrambled 
and just look, I'm talking about the impact of a church or fellowship. This is actually yes. in my one. Um, I scramble. We work with Inspiring Australia, uh, which is an organisation with uh, federally, which is to produce science content for the public. We said we've got this situation whereby we've got people collapsing everywhere. We've got organisations teetering, and they've got no idea how to present these programs, and yet these programs are needed by millions of kids. Yeah. Let's do some training on this. So we trained 260 organisations. Uh, through a series of events to do this virtual learning. How do you do it well in a way that works? And we know that impacted the million or a million and a half students that year just by training it. So to answer the question, Churchill Fellowship's amazing. It's kind oh. of like putting a rocket behind your career, I suppose. And you speak with people who have done a Churchill Fellowship at some point in time in their career path, whether it's very early or 20 years down the track, at some point there's an inflection point whereby the networks that they built, the knowledge that they gained, all those things suddenly come to the fore and it benefits the community. Yeah. So in this case, it was virtual learning and a couple of years ago, it certainly helped. I still very, very involved in it now, yeah. but that was a that was quite the time to, to know this sort of wow. thing. Well, that, that was, yeah, that was sort of game ready for what was what was to come that you didn't even know was coming. Oh, it's crazy. It really was. I mean, and I mean, the challenge that really happened was everyone suddenly desperately needed to get online and that produced its own issues. I mean, the people who were working in this field for years could see the writing on the wall. It was like watching the freight train coming. We knew full well that all those things like the, you know, the Zoom bombings that happened and all that badness that happened they were completely and utterly predictable. <laughs> it was obviously, it was going to happen with that, with a billion people going online suddenly. Yes. Uh, like it just, just was. But the um, we did our best and everyone did their best. But the issue was, is that um, the people who were consuming said content, quite a lot of the time there was, there was, it was, it was talking heads. It yeah. was people struggling with, can I, I can't find the screen to share and all the silly things. And so now there's a genuine impact of that. So a few years now past the initial COVID outbreak, uh, there's an issue, there's a reticence to use online live learning now because people's experiences were terrible en masse. And uh, there's yeah. a lot of work to be done to repair that because there's actually really good content that exists done by professional people with the right, you know, multi-camera systems and all the right bits yeah. and bobs that makes things work but they got drowned out by sheer marketing power of places that wanted to just get out there, but with really bad content. Well, that's so true. And you, those, those um, organizations that you trained in the initial um, period, mm. how many of those were education based? Every one of them. So they were universities, zoos, aquariums, a lot. Uh, we had private Schools? organizations. Schools? Sorry. Schools. We are. Uh, we actually had a, a department of education representative come in to learn, and they disseminated it through the arts unit right across the state, mm. which is kind of cool. So I don't even know how many that was, um, but the um, yeah, the schools were less so. They weren't weren't quite. I mean, they were at the time scrambling for their own reasons and understandably too. Yeah. Uh, but as a um, yeah, it's, it's that could. I mean that that training still is um available for people and and, and still applicable. It's still it's still yeah hundred percent yeah. I mean that's the, I mean I wear a few different hats. So this is my nonprofit. It's called Virtual Excursions Australia, and that's still sitting on the site. It's freely available there. Then I mean, that was the that was the deal with Inspiring Australia is to make sure it's free and available mm -hmm. for people and it's there for people to use. But I mean people have this capacity to do this now. I mean the 
uh, you kind of, whenever you, if you are thinking about running a, a program like that, is what is this like as the participant? Yes. Yeah. If you if you keep them in mind, you'll probably do okay. Mm. But if it's about you, guess what? They're not going to like you after about twenty minutes. Well, <laughs> it, yeah. That's it. That's it. Mm. And um, I'm just think, now thinking about how quickly uh, since COVID, um, technology has actually raced ahead. Right. Oh yeah. Now with with chat. Uh, that's yeah, chat very, GBT, very absolutely. Topical. Yeah, um, it's yeah. very topical. Um, and how that's going to be used. So we always need to consider the ethical, um, for me, it's the ethical implications here, the the behaviours, what, what we're going to use it for, you know, what's what's the purpose. And I think we just need to be informed about that. So um, I think that's still part of conversa people's conversation in certain places because we already know that our students, and both being in education, that the students are already learning despite going walking into the school gates and going into a school building to have a teacher in front of them in a class. They are learning despite that. And a lot of it is to do with technology. Almost. Oh, for sure. I mean, even just speaking to the title of the podcast, I mean, thriving will matter for them using technology. Right. It's, it's not something that they're going to uh, somehow miss unless, I mean, there's going to be segments of the population who are less exposed to technology, but it's becoming so minute now. Yeah. So it's, our job, and not just as educators, just as human beings, <laughs> to train the next group coming up to use the things that are apparent for their generation yeah. uh, and not shy away from them. And yeah, there's there's pros and cons for every bit of tech and certainly the AIs of the world certainly has that. Yeah. We, you and I have talked a lot about yeah. this, yeah. Uh, but they can thrive if they know how to use it. So, you know, just your own children. You've got some children. I, I know you're a dad. Um, you you would probably tune in to what how they're learning, what yes. how, uh, how effective that delivery is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, the opportunities that they're getting. Um, have you noticed any difference in the say just in the last two two to three years? Well, certainly one thing has been using tech to not push them along, but certainly um, help them. Uh, so, for example, one of my kids is really wanting to learn guitar. God they are getting into it. They are really good and they're just teaching themselves through an app and YouTube. Yeah. Working a treat, right? Yeah. And what I love about it is it's intrinsic. It's not being created by, you know, thou shalt learn this because I want to feel good about myself because you can play guitar and I taught you to do it. No, they want to do it themselves. Hmm. And they're happily doing it in their free time, but they're using tech to do it. Uh, my son, and this is a little side note, it doesn't always have to be about formal education. My son... Uh, like every other uh, late primary kid is right into gaming, like you know, computer games. And ah. more importantly, uh, all these, you know, he's right into um, Fortnite right now. And yes, yeah, so you'd probably say, hey, he's a bit young, but he's into it. So he's studying all the different ways to play the game better, et cetera. He's watching YouTubers, he's reading blogs. He's doing, and I've got to make sure he's watching, reading, watching, you know, the, the stuff that's yeah. appropriate. But um, <laughs> kids are digital natives. Yeah. They will find their knowledge irrespective of where it's on a screen or on a, on, in a book, a normal, like a book with pages. Here's the thing. It's irrelevant. The medium is mm. the knowledge that matters. Matters. Okay. So a couple of weeks ago, mm. I'm going to confess something here. Uh -oh. I had my first Minecraft lesson ah. from a seven-year-old. How'd it go? Well, 
I had to I had to cool his jets just a touch because oh. every every now and then he he's Karima, give me, give me that. You've just knocked me over again. <laughs> anyway, I, I actually quite enjoyed it. I went, oh, is this what we do? Can we just shoot, shoot, <laughs> shoot at each other? I said so, but I can see, I can absolutely see the fascination. Um, so, uh, what interests me though is, is, uh, are there any biases in some of the games? Because when you're mm -hmm. a parent or you're a an educator, even a marketer of the products, you know, you you want the best. Um, you want the best result. You want you want the use of them or the the interaction with them to be a good experience. But I, I was talking to someone just before we spoke today who um, does a lot with e-sport and yeah. mainly mainly girls, female student girls in a high school, and she's saying I'm looking for um, a better balance of male female in the, the production of the games the the just the way the moves and the, the um what, how it's programmed so that there's no bias mm. against one over the other no power base which is an interesting concept i never thought of it that way um and i thought i just want some just put that to you today what's what's your thinking on that i mean well it's certainly something that's come up i mean bias i was watching a really interesting netflix documentary two weeks ago now by the way one of my things i'm really terrible at names i'm so sorry i can't remember <laughs> the name of it right now but there's something i'm really bad at so said documentary exists and um there was a researcher again i'm terrible at the name side of things it'll come to me soon she was talking about bias that exists within AI. Now we briefly talked about AI, but only because it grabbed my interest that this was happening. Yeah. And there'll be people listening in aware of this. Uh, the algorithm could not pick her face. It wasn't going to happen in any way. And the reason why was that she has a darker face and it just could not pick her up. It's not going to happen. But she noticed you could put like, you know, like um those uh those masks you can use for theatre. Yes. If you put that on, happy days, it, it would recognise that there was a human being there and it would, off it would go. And she realised there was a genuine bias within the software. And she actually ended up working with some very large groups and even um, talking to the US Senate over this, over the genuine wow. issues that exist. Like, you know, she, oh, she really did a good job with what she was doing. Um, and that was on the AI side. And so if we wind back to the question around uh, computer games and esports and all that sort of stuff, it doesn't have to be about the games. It could be about any narrative that's built out. Whoever's building the thing is going to build it in a likeness that they like. <laughs> or, or, or yeah. even, if it's un even if it's unconscious, it's going to be in a way that they're going to, you know, this is, what, this is how they like doing. So if you've got the vast majority of, in this case, uh, males, and it doesn't have to be of any particular racial side, but they're going to build a more male type mm. thing, if there is such a thing for, in this case, it could be a game. So what you're talking about uh, on um, cultural bias, yeah, it's a cultural bias. Mm. So I think having a lot of these structures created by the people who are going to use them, yes, <laughs> seems to be the the mm. better way to go. Mm. It's it's fascinating, and listeners, you might be thinking, why did they go down this rabbit hole um, yeah. when we're talking about thriving? Because we there's a whole lot of information even ads now on free to air tv um if any of you do watch it um that are talking about the effect of screen time of the social messages that are coming um from 
your your own friendship groups or the groups that you belong to um, and major major um, organizations who've got products for females are now saying we actually want to um, take care of the environment in which our girls are growing up or our mm. boys are growing up or whatever so for me um, when you've got a few children then you've got a few grandchildren you're looking at what's the world going to be like for them when you're when you're gone this is we yeah. talk about our responsibility really is for the generations um, that are coming after us um, so what's it going to be like for them and will we be able to influence the type of technology we access for efficiencies for entertainment for community for connection for gaming whatever it is that we're, we're going to be doing um teaching ourselves um yeah will will there be something that's going to affect their social and emotional development mm. because that's the big question on everybody's that's that's what a lot of educators i know no 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 we have to have face to face we can't have uh, learning that's online right um and i'm being very um bland here you know it's not mm. a sophisticated um concept but that notion of no, well, we've got a limit screen time. We've got to make sure there's no devices after a certain amount of time. All that sort of stuff. How do we make sure that the social and emotional side of our whole our wholeness is still catered for when we have a huge reliance on technology? Yeah, it's actually a thing I grapple with as a parent, not as an educator, and again as a human. I mean, I think about. Um, I can imagine that you had 30 people in front of you all holding a phone and you're talking. Some might be taking notes. Some might be on social media. Some might be listening to a podcast and you've got no idea. <laughs> They're completely tuned out. Yeah. Yeah. And so you think about, like if you go for a train ride, you've got all these people interacting with tech rather than with each other nearby. And that's understandable to a degree. But they are windows to you directly into your mind. Yeah. I mean, I converse with all people all around the world in different ways and certainly via text in various places. And it could be a daunting and also challenging place from an SEL point of view, from the, the social emotional learning side of things. The um, There can be, I mean, I think of my kids right now, those things I did not grow, with, grow up with in the 80s. No way. No. And so I'm at home. My kids are at home, but their brain are elsewhere. Yeah, that's it. So where are they? Yeah. Where are they hanging out? Yeah. Who are they speaking with? Who are their digital friends? Because they are real things in their mind because they are. Yeah, yeah. So huge, huge questions. And you can understand the dilemma of hmm. um, uh, decision makers um, yeah. in government, uh, in education, in any anything um, where um, technology is actually going extremely fast. I mean, we're living in a, an amazing time. Um, we've we've watched other evolutions occur, and um, I think our time our time is just going even faster. I mean, there's possibly space right now, and there probably is being developed. I mean, this is where I might be clueless. An AI guardian. Can you imagine putting that an AI guardian to actually look after content that's going through your kid's phone? Because you, yeah. I mean, you might be thinking, oh, maybe this is monitorial or whatever. No, it doesn't have to be. I'm just thinking about. Uh, I mean, my kid, I mean, I've got an early teen. Yeah. They could easily not realise they're in a space that's not safe because mm. you know, there's, there's something that you know, just might, might be oblivious to. And suddenly you know, having an AI mind, it would be actually handy 
you know, but I don't know. I, I don't know how to deal with this because if we get rid of these pieces of tech, we're also getting rid of the global repository of knowledge that is the internet. That's right. So with it, I mean, it's like a set of scales, isn't it? We take mm. some, we overload one area, the other goes up or down, take something away. Um, I think that we all need to be part of the discussion because um, you, you can see the effect of only living in a in one type of world. Oh, yes. Right. That's that's evident. And I think that's something that we all need to consider we're, we're, with the people that we work with, people we lead. Um, you know, you would do a scan of your your workforce each day or your team members just to see how they're travelling. Yeah. You know, isolated. I mean, you would have been, that would have still been coming out of the last couple of years, checking in on yeah. people, which I think is one of the best things that's come out of that, that this this whole psychological safety. How 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 is your well-being? Are you, are you feeling okay? Oh, for sure. And there's there's been some real pluses out of this. I mean, there was a real reticence for um, places to allow um, people to work from home but the work-life balance is a thing that's real yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and honestly there are times where I am far more productive at home and guess what so are my team members <laughs> at times too it's a bonus isn't it it is <laughs> and so I mean if this means that I can put the washing on and get something done whack out a few emails whatever and then hang out the load while I'm on a phone call I'm being doubly productive and best bit, my weekend's now free because I did that thing through the weekday. That's it. Yeah. And no one wants to give up that, that, um, that time where we can, we can manage a little bit better. Oh, totally. Oh, oh. look, Ben, thanks for the conversation this afternoon. (laughs) I'm very aware you had a huge day uh, with those 265 schools doing the virtual astronaut challenge. What a joy it must be when oh, you, you're watching what's happening where they're and amazing what they're going to come up with for their for their end product and then their pitch. Oh, I mean, and isn't that just talking? That's a bit of a, a an outline of what we do most days. Most of us have a pitch for something. We we yeah. aim for something. We're creating something, but we actually have to to look after how we're interacting with people how we're uh, connecting what the relationships are like the relationships with others and ourselves so that's that whole essence of thriving so I'm just going to move it right around the circle yeah absolutely (laughs) I mean I was just thinking about I mean centering yourself so you talked about uh getting up in the morning so the other thing is what you do towards the end of the day so just before dinner I have a routine which is simply walk the dogs Okay. Simple as that. I walk the dogs around the block and I usually clear my mind. What did we do well? Whatever. Just think about something fun this evening to do, whatever it might be. Yeah. I cook dinner and like every other human, relax. And um, I mean, I think there's, there's something to be said for us, you know, a bit of a routine. And mm. the advantage of walking the dogs, apart from the dogs genuinely need a walk every day. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, and so do I, by the way. Um, <laughs> having a moment in time where it's just you to think. Yeah, is important. Just Even if it's only five ten minutes. Yeah, I'm just wondering, the memoirs of anyone who's been in space must be incredible to to read, uh, because there would be, especially when you're a lone entity, some of those mm. solo astronauts, um, and what they actually had to do to maintain a sense of self and a sense oh, yes. of presence and a sense of reality. Yeah, that actually reminds me there's a mind blip towards Tom Hanks's character in Castaway. Yeah. Yeah. 
I mean, talking could, to the to the board, yeah, to, to to Wilson for all Wilson, things, but yeah. but and yet, I mean, as silly as it might sound, I mean that grounded him in a way, yeah, as much as it didn't seem like it was grounded. So I think one of the the best things here for us all to think about is, you know, if we if we're talking lots of you know lots of IT, um, if that's the world that you work and and uh, create in, um, mm. teach, learn, um, your some of your your thriving habits um, are, are really focused on just coming back to being centre, keeping things real. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, you, uh, well, if there's one thing to walk away from this chat is you are not your work. <laughs> work is part of you and work allows you to impact and make some awesome things and be excited. And I certainly have not worked for years because I just love what I do, but you're still not your work. It's yeah. a part of your life, not all of it. Oh, Thank you for just rounding that up so nicely. <laughs> all right, listeners, we, if you've enjoyed this conversation, you know that I usually put all the details of contact uh, for our speakers uh, um, in the notes. So let's do that. We will do that for you. But what I need you to do is if you really enjoyed the conversation, everyone who does a podcast likes some love. So if you wouldn't mind making sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on the next episode and sharing it with someone that you work with, you connect with, or you're actually friends with, or someone you think might really enjoy the conversation or, or you know, hasn't met Ben yet, but needs to know him, right? So that would be, that would be a way forward. So just remember everyone, you are precious and your thriving matters. And in all walks of life, whatever throws up at us, it's not easy every day. We've got plenty of tools to help it make it easy. But the best thing is for you to actually listen to your heart and put in place some of those things that really ground and center you. So, Ben, thanks again. Have a wonderful weekend. Get out. Uh, but where are you going? Where's the country fair? Where are the, the fairs? I'm off, to? I'm off to out near Dubbo and I'm off to another place called Gunning. So two, two different places, yes. about three three to I five know. hours drive. Yeah, good I fun. know Gunning and I know Dubbo. So there you go. Mm, country yeah, girl. All right. Well, enjoy. Good to talk to you. Thanks, Ben. Thank you so much for having me. Bye for now. I'm Carrie Benedett, and this is my podcast, Thriving Matters. <laughs>